Wrestling Contest is scheduled for one fall. Please welcome Mr. Freds. What is the one quality that you possess that makes you think that you can walk out here and come into the ring and face the very best in the business? Ruthless aggression. Buzz, buzz, this is the Queen Bee, the K. Murphy of Kings of the Rings podcast, and you are listening to Fretzelmania exclusively on Wrestle Addict Radio, the cure for the common wrestling podcast. What's going on, peeps, and welcome to episode 101 of the Fretzelmania podcast. Today, I will be previewing Royal Rumble 2023, talking about the fallout of Royal Rumble 2003, and of course, the other going goings on in the world of wrestling at the time. Thank you to those who uh, reached out or tweeted me or sent me messages uh, about uh, the 100th episode. I really appreciate it. If you didn't, that's still that's still not a problem. I even got some from my family who don't really listen to podcasts or follow wrestling, so I thought that was. That was kind of cool, and it was a really good time recording with with Will Terrashock. Shout, shout out to Willie T. Thank you for coming on the show. Today is the fallout from Royal Rumble 2003. But first, I'm going to attempt to predict Royal Rumble 2023. And jumping through that 20-year gap made me feel kind of old. We only have five matches booked for the show at this point in time. I hope it stays that way. It can be uh, a nice, short, concise event that is wrapped up before 11.30 p.m. instead of 12.30 a.m. the next morning. AEW, I'm looking directly at you. We have the Men's Royal Rumble match. Now, initially, I had Sami Zayn winning this one by hook or by crook, somehow colluding to win the Royal Rumble and maybe accidentally slash on purpose, slash on purpose totally, eliminate the Usos in like the final three, final four kind of bit, leading to him unseating Roman Reigns. But after last night's Utter perfection. That was the trial of Sami Zayn. I have Cody Rhodes winning this match. Now throughout this courtroom drama, this episode of Law and Order, this episode of Judge Judy, Paul Heyman was trying to bring up evidence against Sami Zayn that he has been colluding with Kevin Owens behind their back this whole time. And before Roman could order Solo Sokoa to basically execute Sammy, 
Jay Uso stepped in and said, no, this is the evidence that we have that he is on the bloodline side. And he brings up all the times that Sammy has taken a bullet for them. He has taken a, a claymore kick, a spear, or what have you, or a stunner on behalf of the Usos. And then we have Sammy low-blowing Kevin Owens at War Games. And Paul Heyman, you know, bringing up guilty as charged. Ironically, it was the name of ECW's last pay-per-view in 2001. Nice little notch there. A nice little dig at ECW because this was in Philly. Shout out to Anthony DiStefano. Cody Rhodes is winning this. Because Sami Zayn's final test, I think, is either winning the Royal Rumble or doing something in the Universal title match, which I'm going to get to here in a second. The Women's Royal Rumble is a little bit harder to predict. I think it's also also mostly based on the women's title match we have later in the show. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that Rhea Ripley is going to win this one. She is being booked in a very dominant fashion as of late. You know, she's more than a heavy for the Judgment Day. She's more than Dominic's mammy. Man, that that's weird. Weird calling hot guys or hot girls, mommy, daddy. Peeps, that's creepy. Oedipus and Freud would have a field day over this. Stop. Just stop. Ripley's winning this one. And moving on to the Mountain Dew Pitch Black match. Now, I don't know what the heck to expect from this other than another chapter in the Bray Wyatt story, which is probably thicker than any Tom Clancy novel that we can come out of. Why don't we have a Bray Wyatt novel like we have with uh, Kane's Journey into Darkness, the entirely kayfabe book about his upbringing and the funeral home being torched and Paul Bearer and The Undertaker? Give us that, but with the Wyatt Six. I think there's going to be some spooky nonsense here. Maybe an appearance from The Fiend, because we saw the return of the Firefly Funhouse. Firefly Funhouse, say that five times fast. And I'm all for it. You know, L.A. Knight is, he's really like twisting the knife here because he's, he's calling what he sees. You know, grown man playing with puppets? No way. <laughs> oh, and his bit last night on Raw 30 with The Undertaker. Mwah. Just perfect. Bray Wyatt's going to win this match. I think Uncle Howdy gets involved here and we start writing that story of Bray Wyatt and his inner demons. Maybe it's The Fiend versus Uncle Howdy, which I'm all for. This has been a real, real slow building story. And a lot of fans are getting impatient and have already given up on it and are already making fun of it because it's a Mountain Dew pitch black match, you know, Mountain Dew Pitch Black is, guys, it's just grape soda. I mean, grape soda's good, but it's no Dr. Pepper. Bray Wyatt wins this one. Now on to the women's title match, the Raw Women's Championship. Bianca Belair and Alexa Bliss. Now, Alexa Bliss has been really spooking it up 
as of late, you know, kind of reverting a bit back to her gimmick with Bray Wyatt. But she's like, no, you know, I was brainwashed. And, you know, Uncle Howdy isn't a factor, even though Uncle Howdy is totally a factor. Uncle Howdy is the puppeteer of this whole charade. And I think due to all that spooky bollocks, Alexa Bliss is going to be the new Raw Women's Champion. I don't think she'll hold it until WrestleMania. Maybe she drops it at uh, Elimination Chamber. But I think this is the road that we're going to be going. Now we have Roman Reigns defending the undisputed WWE Universal Championship against Kevin Owens. I'm going to drop a piping hot take here, and I am going to eat my humble pie a la mode when I'm wrong about this, but Kevin Owens is going to walk out the new Undisputed Universal Champion. That final test? Sami Zayn is going to pass, but it will be because he has been colluding with Kevin Owens this whole time. Look at the War Games match. Look at that for life thing that that he dropped on top of the cage. Was it Bloodline for Life? What are we, the NWO? Paul Heyman again last night in Philly. That might be why I don't book, I didn't predict Sammy to win the Rumble. Because he's going to do that. Then we're going to go into Montreal, Elimination Chamber. The match that has been building this whole time, you'll get Sami Zayn versus Roman Reigns. Where does that leave Roman for WrestleMania? If you smell what I'm cooking, I think... Well, you know, I just spoiled it for you. It's it's the, it's the Rock, and it's not going to have the title on the line. So, yeah, that is my predictions for Royal Rumble this year. I know I'm going to get the Roman Reign, Reigns one wrong, but, man, just in my head right now, as I've been discussing this, I kind of went back on my word a little bit when I was talking about the Royal Rumble match and this, but, yeah. I think Kevin can do it, and maybe somehow by hook or by crook, Kevin Owens wins both titles. He drops one of them back to Roman. Roman rules SmackDown, blah, blah, blah. That's where you get that title match, leaving Kevin Owens versus Cody Rhodes. One of them goes heel, or you have a rare two babyface world champion match at WrestleMania. Yeah, I'm, I'm sticking by that. Kevin Owens is your new champion. Meanwhile, back in 2003, we had Monday Night Raw just three days before this SmackDown at the Dunkin' Donuts Center in Providence, Rhode Island. And on this show, Eric Bischoff was basically left a timeline for him to keep his job by Vince McMahon. And since SmackDown has some surprises tonight and has some more surprises upcoming, spoiler alert, Bischoff declared that he is bringing back 
the man that took his ball and went home some eight months previous to this. At No Way Out, he is inviting Stone Cold Steve Austin to make his return to the company in a match that wound up being against Eric Bischoff himself. Also on this show, we had this one bit where Stacy Keebler was, in parentheses, hit by a chair by Chris Jericho, you know, who was chasing her around the ring and Pest was managing, and there's going to be some kind of amnesia storyline here, which is just, no. Here, cringe. But also on this show, we had Rob Van Dam defeating Jeff Hardy. Lance Storm and William Regal defeated the new tag team champions, the Dudley Boys, to win back their championships the day after due to interference from Chief Morley, a.k.a. Val Venus. Next tag team match with the Hurricane and Trish Stratus defeating Steven Richards and Victoria. Booker T and Goldust defeated Three Minute Warning. Chris Jericho and Test ended in a no contest due to what I just said a couple of minutes ago. D'Lo Brown, who is now managed by Teddy Long. Oh, thuggin' and buggin' Enterprises, here we come. Defeated Tommy Dreamer in a Singapore Kane match. This has to be one of the last Raw appearances of D'Lo Brown because he would be in TNA not long from now. And in the main event, Scott Steiner defeated Batista by disqualification. This is setting up the world title rematch at No Way Out. And man, it it's worse than the the one at the Royal Rumble, and that one was abysmal. Now on to Velocity. There was a couple of weeks of Velocity I want to catch up on here because we have some very notable names being used as enhancement talents. You know, one week, I think this was the, the 11th, in the main event, we had Chuck Palumbo defeating Keiji Sakota. And I believe this is the same the same Sakota that had a very brief alliance with Jimmy Yang and Tajiri, initially being known as uh, the Yakuza or Kyodai, if you will, that was alleged on, on all the message boards back then. But it's a trio that really never made TV and not even Velocity. On the 18th, Jamie Noble defeated Brian Danielson. You know, Danielson had been under contract with the WWE or at least under their developmental not long before this. You know, he was at the Shawn Michaels Texas Wrestling Academy with people like Brian Kendrick and Paul London. And also, Chuck Palumbo defeated former Ring of Honor champion the late Xavier in the main event of that one. The 25th, which is two days after this SmackDown, this particular episode of Velocity, didn't have a lot of notable people. It just had Chavo Guerrero defeating Funaki, Jamie Noble defeating Jeff Starr, Chuck Palumbo beating the River Rat, which I think was Brian Kendrick under a mask. I think Kendrick, who was trying to get a contract around this time, was trying different things to 
get noticed, to get on TV. And I looked ahead to next week, and I'm sorry. I'm really, really sorry. And the main event, uh, Kidman defeated Matt Hardy by disqualification, probably by Shannon or interference. One more bit. We're in the impact zone. The Nashville Fairgrounds Coliseum in front of 750 fans, NWA TNA pay-per-view number 28. In the dark matches, we had Rick Santel pinning Matt Stryker, not that one, Agent Steele and Madison defeating Roderick and Cedric Strong, and who else here forgot that Roderick Strong had a brother? And also in the dark match here, Xavier pulling double duty, being pinned by Kid Cash. Kicking off this episode of TNA is the Amazing Red, Jose, and Joel Maximo defeating Jimmy Yang, David Young, and Shark Boy when Red pinned Yang in an X-Division showcase match. Ashley Hudson pinned Jorge Estrada. In a Legends vs. Not Legends match, we had AJ Styles versus Larry Zbysko. Yes, AJ Styles is a legend now. This is 2003 we're talking about. Above average, Mike Sanders and, oh, God, David Flair making his TNA pay-per-view debut beat Ron Killings and Jerry Lynn. Low-key and Elix Skipper, oh, defeated America's Most Wanted to win the NWA Tag Team titles. This is the birth of Triple X. Bring in Christopher Daniels, and we're set. The X Division champion, Sonny Siaki, beat Athena and Chris Vaughn in a triangle match. And in the main event, we had Jeff Jarrett, the NWA champion, defeating Don Harris, B.G. James and Christopher Daniels in a Battle Royal Rules match. And yeah, that's WCW 2.0, folks. I've gone way too long on all the rest of these shows, so we're getting right into SmackDown. Stephanie McMahon and her cleavage have a surprise for us. The Undertaker is back. And I have another surprise tonight. But you're just going to have to wait and see. Taz talks about Tough Enough Season 3. Uh, the final is after SmackDown tonight. The winners of that particular Tough Enough were John Hannigan, Johnny Nitro, John Morrison, Johnny Impact, Johnny Fill in the Blank, and the late Matt Capitelli. Now, his story is utterly heartbreaking. You know, it, it was bad enough that he was kind of bullied on that show by Bill DeMott and Bob Holly, And there was a lot of he said, she said about the whole thing. And eventually, you know, Capitelli, probably unrelated to this, I'm not entirely sure, had a tumor and he died a couple of years ago. Very, very young. I think he might have been around my age, which is it. And that's on that's messing me up a little bit, you know, because we just lost Jay Briscoe and he was born almost three months to the day before I was. That's kind of that's kind of freaky. So Smackdown tonight is from the Pepsi Center in Albany, New York. Kicking off the the show is Chris Benoit 
versus Charlie Haas. And this is the debut of the Team Angle jumpsuits. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, go Google that, come back to me, and say, Fretz, those jumpsuits are fresh. I want one. We get a big pop for Chris Benoit as after his main event classic with Kurt Angle a few days before this, he was shown a lot of respect by the Boston crowd. And th this is the beginning of a slow building push that we're going to be seeing for Benoit. And when we get to this time next year, he's in the main event and he's heading to WrestleMania. I don't know if I'm going to go back and review that one because I have plans for a different era to review very briefly, but we'll cross that bridge when we get there. We see great chain encounter wrestling by these two guys. You know, Charlie Haas is a amateur wrestler himself. He locks in a key lock. He's working the arm so Benoit could not do the crossface, bringing him three eyes here, intelligence, and a little bit of psychology, so an I and a P. We see a one-armed Spagingo ding by Chris Benoit, the Air Canada. Shelton Benjamin tries to tries to escape. Benoit locks in the crossface, but Charlie Haas reaches the ropes. Haas lands a really nice German suplex. Well, goes for a German suplex, I'm sorry. It is reversed by Chris Benoit into a pin, and he wins this match. Backstage, The Undertaker arrives in his Titan Chopper. Leading into our next match, Rikishi versus Bill Demott. Now, these two have been having a little bit of beef as of late. It boiled over a bit in the Royal Rumble. Now that I see this match, we got meat slapping majesty, and I have a huge erection. SmackDown Tonight is brought to you by Final Destination 2, Subway, in fact, the anti-drug. Something about... Anti-marijuana, something, 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 drugs are bad. Okay. And then Demott here, he comes out with the jobber, get the F out WWE, I don't have merch t-shirt, even though he could have totally brought out the MIA shirt from WCW or a Dungeon of Doom shirt. I mean, come on. Bring up his past and give it into his gimmick. Tough Enough Season 3 finale is once again plugged here, as DeMott was one of the coaches on this show. Rikishi lands an avalanche. DeMott is working the arm as he is... No, DeMott is getting his arm worked over by Rikishi, and, man, he went to the Lex Luger school of, of shouting during matches. No, seriously, go back and watch a Lex Luger match, OSW Review. You completely ruined him for me with all that... Ah, oh! Wow, kind of noise that he makes. No, Demont was screaming during this match. Like, is Rikishi really that stiff? He's a fluffy guy. He's a Samoan. Wait, no, he's a Samoan. So yes, Rikishi works stiff for sure. We see a clothesline by Rikishi, a really impressive spinebuster by Bill Demont. But that is pretty much all the offense that he is going to land as Rikishi hits a super kick and a rump shaker to win this match. We then see a promo yet again for the Colossus of Boggle Road. Nathan Jones is coming to WWE. Get in. We see a lot of news from like news footage from down under talking about Nathan Jones being transferred from Tasmania to another prison in Australia. 
talking about him doing 10 years for armed robbery. Uh, man, I'm, I'm all for this. Like Nathan Jones was shite, but man, if anyone can be brought in today, if anyone can be brought in to show Dominic Mysterio what prison is really like, it's Nathan Jones. I mean, Dominic is basically a prison Mike from the office, but man, you got to bring in a real guy to you know, scare them straight. Like all those old talk shows used to do with all the sergeants screaming at delinquent children about prison and what, what it's like. And then they're going to be like, I'm sorry, I'm going to be a better kid. Anyways, man, Nathan Jones is coming. and Let's go. Backstage, we've got Josh Matthews and The Big Show. And Josh reminds The Big Show that the last time we saw The Undertaker, you threw him off the stage. And The Big Show stares at him, palms his face, says nothing, and walks away. Also backstage, we have Matt Hardy and Shannon Moore. Matt Hardy is admonishing Shannon Moore a little bit, but he also says that you showed Mattitude in the Royal Rumble match by doing what was right and helping keep me in the ring. But where were you when Brock F5s me out of the ring? You have lessons to learn, so tonight I wanted you to give Nunzio a Mattitude adjustment. He then approaches Nunzio as Shannon Moore walks away and asks him to teach Shannon Moore a lesson. And Nunzio says he's going to do it the family way. I just did, you know, the, the Italian hand signal thing. Yeah, this is why I'm not on video. So, <laughs> yeah. We see Tony Chimmel is announcing Ray versus Angle later in the show. The Undertaker is back. You've done it now. You've gone and made a big mistake. And I had that big evil shirt that he is wearing. I used to wear it around town and my pastor would say, Hey, look, it's big awful. As, well, you know evil okay anyways here taker says that you know there's too much talking around here and not enough ass kicking he says he has bad intentions and revenge in mind for the big show but big show i'm gonna let you walk out here face to face so you can get your ass kicking blah 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 something 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 well the Big Show has a contingency plan to play mind games with The Undertaker here. And he says that his challenge for a match with the Deadman has been accepted by A-Train. We then lead right into an A-Train versus Taker match. More meat slapping majesty. Shout out to DK Murphy. We then see that awesome steam pyro that's supposed to be like, you know, the, the train engine coming for, for A-Train that Becky Lynch would later use in her career. See an avalanche by Al and a bear hug. Taker does current school, old school, whatever you want to call it. We see a goozle, a choke slam, and A-Train kicks out. We're giving Albert a stop-start push here and sharing the ring with The Undertaker in a high-profile feud and match, is up there. The last ride is denied. The splash is denied. Baldo Bomb and Taker kicks out. And then Undertaker takes care of business, locks in the TCB, the Dragon Sleeper. Who else forgot he used the Dragon Sleeper for a finisher? And Albert 
taps out and wins this match. We then see Sean O'Hare doing another devil's advocate kind of promo here. It's disappointing that he wound up not really using this gimmick. I guess they pulled the plug on it or Vince didn't care. But he talks about how we're a slave to the government and taxes are scams. Taxes are un-American. There is no taxation without representation. I am not telling you anything you don't already know. He also did one about church being bogus too. And I think that could have been one of the ones that ruffled a few feathers. But man, Sean O'Hare was just so ahead of his time. I think that kind of gimmick could work today, maybe even in the Judgment Day, kind of. But yeah, it wasn't to be. Edge versus Shelton Benjamin, a match that we would see countless times on Monday Night Raw. We see a really nice butterfly suplex by Shelton, double leg, and a lot of amateur toying around with Edge here. A USA chant for some reason I can faintly hear. So I guess Edge is going to be a heel tonight, being from Toronto. I mean, I'm from the Toronto area. I get the hate. I, I really I really do. <laughs> they think they're the center of the universe, but yeah. No, no, not at all. We see that like a cross, a crisscross stretch by Shelton Benjamin. Daddy Mac will make you jump, jump. Crisscross will make you jump. Jump. We see a reversal, a belly to belly, flying form by Edge, a face plant, and a flapjack. This match is now all Edge. A spear is denied. Charlie Haas goes for a distraction. Shelton Benjamin lands the money clip, that awesome step up wheel kick that he uses. That gets a two count. Shelton goes for a springboard. It is denied. Edge lands the spear and wins this match. Backstage, Kurt Angle is admonishing Benjamin and Haas, says that you represent me. Being a member of Team Angle doesn't include losing. The motto of Team Angle is the three eyes. Charlie, you had no intensity tonight. Cripes on Friday. Shelton, you lacked intelligence tonight, allowing Edge to hit the spear on you. We are not going 0-3 tonight. Our next match is Nunzio versus Shannon Moore. FBI versus 3 count. We hear some very faint EC dub and where's my pizza chance? Sal E ate it, by the way. Guido is working the arm, lands the Sicilian slice, locks in a Fujiara armbar. Shannon Moore goes for a springboard wheel kick and a forearm, a morgasm, a whisper in the wind. He then goes for the twist of fate, much to the chagrin of Matt Hardy, who showed up at ringside. But Shannon Moore showboated for too long, allowing Nunzio to hit the Arriva Derchi, I think it was like a tornado arm breaker, some kind of move, to win this match. Afterwards, V1 chases V2 off of the ringside, out of the ringside area, and shakes Nunzio's hand for some reason. 
we have a backstage segment with Brock Lesnar who is going over his goals in the WWE or in life in general. NCAA champion, check. Impactful debut of the night after WrestleMania 18, check. King of the Ring, check. Beat The Rock and became the WWE champion, check. Beat The Undertaker in Hell in the Cell, check. And he still has more goals to accomplish in wrestling. To beat The Big Show, which he did at the Royal Rumble. To win the Royal Rumble, which he did. Now his next goals and targets are to F5 Paul Heyman and beat Kurt Angle for the WWE Championship at WrestleMania. Excuse me. Backstage, Matt Hardy is frantically looking for Shannon Moore. We then get to our next match. Kurt Angle versus Rey Mysterio. Rey Mysterio with all the quick aerial offense. Kurt Angle with all of the suplexes and amateur wrestling moves. Rey uses Brian Hebner to plancha over the rope and onto Kurt Angle. He drops the dime. He goes for a moonsault but misses. An ankle lock is noped by Rey Mysterio. A belly to belly. A couple of them in this match. The angle slam is reversed into an arm drag. A 619 is caught by Angle, who which is then reversed into a bulldog by Mysterio. A 619 is reversed into a powerbomb position, which Kurt Angle reverses into an electric chair, which he uses then to Bob Rey Mysterio's head off the turnbuckle, back into an electric chair suplex, into a pin in a very seamless turn of events, allowing Kurt Angle to win this match and for Team Angle to not go 0-3. It should be noted here, I totally forgot that uh, Kurt, while admonishing his team, told them to stay backstage while he got things done. Unfortunately for him, this backfired because after the match, Kurt Angle kept the ankle lock locked on Ray. Edge makes the save, and as he tries to escape, Benoit jumps Kurt Angle, and then we just get a three-on-one here. And then I think after that, because I watched this a while ago, Team Angle comes out afterwards to bring their captain backstage. Backstage... Stephanie McMahon and Funaki are having a chat, and Funaki wants to know what the surprise is. And Stephanie says, it's not a what, but a who. Now, if you could kindly F-O, get out of my office, please. Touch the door. And then the camera pans over to her looking at a humongous Hulk Hogan poster. Oh, brother. That spoiled it right there. That. No, you should have left that for after the commercial break when we finally heard the shit network dubbed version of Voodoo Child by Jimi Hendrix. Nah, you spoiled it. No, not cool. So Hulk Hogan's back. But why? We get the long legends pop that every legend gets. He then says, okay, maniacs, you are my life. I admit it. 
you know something, me and Gene, oh man, if me and Gene was there, I came to make an announcement that I signed a new contract, Ron Howard voice, for three months. I have unfinished business with those in the locker room, and by the looks of some new faces back there, some new business to start too. And I'm going to do it the right way, the red and yellow way. And this might be our last journey together, Ron Howard voice. It's not. I won't let you down this time. You do. And then, no pants. Vince comes out and says, you know, I, I speak for all of you when I say that I'm terribly disappointed. This isn't 1985. It's 2003. And you and Al Wilson both have something in common. In which you're both dead. And then Hulk Hogan says, the first superstar I want to kick the hell out of in the WWE is you. We are planting the seeds to a match that had no right being as entertaining as it was with Hulk Hogan versus Vince McMahon. But there's a rock on the road to WrestleMania that they're going to have to drive over first. Folks, that has been it for this episode of Fretzelmania. You can follow me on all the social medias, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, although I'm not on Instagram and TikTok so much anymore. Uh, Fretzelmania, F-R-E-T-Z-L-E, Mania. I'm mostly tweeting about wrestling or about hockey or about other shite in general. Listen to the rest of us on Wrestle Addict Radio, The Cure for the Common Wrestling Podcast. Dropping every Tuesday is my good brother, Nate the Effin' Great's Brace for Impact, his review of old-school TNA wrestling, and I think he just got to 2007, if I'm not mistaken. I was on Bound for Glory 06 a while ago, and man, that was, uh, that was something else. Streaming every Wednesday night at 8 p.m., Eastern Standard Time is the Kings of the Rings podcast. King Ricky Rose, Willie T, and the Queen Bee themselves, DK Murphy, going over whatever's going on in the world of wrestling at that time. I think this week they will be having their Rumble of Royalties, so their own rendition of the Royal Rumble Prediction Show. It's always a good time. Yes, it is on during Dynamite, but do what I do. Mute Dynamite, sit in front of the lappy, and uh, shoot the shit with the Kings of the Rings podcast. I'd be remiss if I didn't mention our good brother who is on hiatus right now. I got a message from him a while ago. Zach, Mr. YLP, I hope that you are doing well, good brother, and uh, hope to hear from you very soon. So goodbye, good night. We will see you on the road. So WrestleMania 19. and. 39. Peace out.